This Sunday, though, I, I always enjoy, I, I look at the Christmas story every year. I, I read through my Bible. I, I try to, I may, I've made that a discipline in my life that I read through the Bible every year. And, and the particular uh, uh, program I use is my own. So I get, I get to read the Christmas story a couple of times because I end up reading the New Testament twice. And uh, I always, I like the guys and, and, the, and the ladies that don't get a lot of, uh, you know, they don't get a lot of space. They're, 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 we don't know a lot about them. And, and it always amazes me how pastors, they preach these elaborate sermons uh, on people who you just don't know a lot about. And how, and, and when it comes to Christmas, there are characters who have, I mean, they could have their own bookstores if they were, you know, if they'd been, if they had been today where they were then. And, and really, we don't know anything about those characters. Most of the stuff that we know has been made up by somebody with a really good imagination, okay? And so, uh, I just, I like those kind of characters. And this morning, I, I'm, I'm going to call this an un, unsung Christmas hero, and it's going to be about one of the, really the unsung characters, and, and really what it's going to be about is, is the trait that God used in that person's life to bring about the birth of his son. You know, Jesus, when you look at Christmas, Jesus is the supreme character of Christmas, okay? Without Jesus, there is no Christmas. You do understand that. There was no Santa. Anyway, you know what I mean. I got to be careful. I mean, at that point, that's what I mean. That, at that point, all right, let me, let me clarify. He came later. But Jesus is, is really the, the essence. He, he, Christmas is about Jesus. I mean, the, the very word Christ Mass, it's the Mass of Christ. They celebrated the birth of Jesus, and they've, they've celebrated it every year since His birth, okay? It's a, it's a big deal. And so, he's the, he's the supreme character in Christmas. And if, if we were giving out awards, He would get the big award, okay? Most valuable player, uh, you know, whatever. He, he would get that award. But, you know, if we were, it's, it's that time of the year with with. Hollywood, where they're giving all kind of awards out, and it, it's interesting if if we were giving out the the awards for the supporting characters, you know, Mary would probably get the best actress award. Don't y'all agree? Okay. If we were giving best actor in a supporting role, you know, hey, shepherds. Every young boy wants to be the shepherd in the in the Christmas play. Or the wise men. The wise men are, are characters. And, 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 you know, even the star is famous. We, we've made the star famous. We've made the innkeeper famous. And, and, and there's, that's one of the characters where we don't know anything about, okay? We've made him the villain of Christmas. He's, he's the Scrooge of Christmas. And the reality of it is, he's not, okay? He gave Mary and Joseph a place when he had no place. And we, but we've made him out to be the villain, and he's really not. Even the cattle and the, and the sheep, you know, they play pretty big, a pretty big part in most people's Christmas story. The angels, and, and you could kind of go on and on. The reality of it is, is, is the, the star wasn't there the first Christmas night. It wasn't over Bethlehem, let me put it that way. The wise men, I, I hate to 
destroy your, 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 your idea of what happened. But the wise man didn't show up on Christmas night. It was several months, maybe two years before they actually came. Because if you read the scriptures very closely, Mary and Joseph are in a house. They're not in, they're not in the manger in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the cave or, the, or, the, or the, uh, the, the barn. And so what we've done is we've condensed the story down to this one night. And, and it's, it's the most amazing night. But that night turned into a day and it continues. And we live in that day. But it's interesting that those that were the supporting actors have taken on a life of their own. But there's one character that just is unsung and not mentioned very much. You know, nobody ever dreams of, of playing second fiddle. Nobody wants to be the backup quarterback, and nobody wants to be the understudy in a, in a theatrical production. All of us want to be the star, right? I mean, let's just be honest. I don't want to write the second best book in the world. I want to write the best book, okay? I don't want to be the... You know, I, I don't want to be second. I want to be first. We, we all want to be first. We're made that way, okay? It's, it's not that there's anything wrong with being first. I think we should strive for it. But all of us want to be the star. We all want to be the one who stands in the spotlight, who makes the game-changing play, uh, or who gives that unforgettable performance. None of us want to be runner-up, okay? Whether it's in a beauty contest, a political campaign, or an athletic event. We all hunger to be first. We hunger to be, not to be second. So throughout history, when you study scripture, there are, are those individuals who stood just out of the limelight. They're in the shadows, but they're there. They're in the backgrounds, but they made differences. And not just small differences, but they made eternal differences. They were people who were willing to obey God at great cost. Okay? while allowing somebody else to shine. They were more concerned about doing right than being in the spotlight. They just wanted to obey God. And this morning, I want to spend a few minutes looking at such an individual. We wouldn't be celebrating this holiday season, I don't think, without such an individual. And that, and that character and, and that person's name is Joseph. Now, I've, I'll be honest with you. I've never heard a sermon on Joseph. All right? Joseph is the unsung hero of Christmas. I understand why he's not mentioned a great deal in Scripture. He's not mentioned a great deal is because God wanted to make sure, the Holy Spirit wanted to make it very clear that Joseph is not the father of Jesus. All right? That, that's why he's not there very much. It's, he's just mentioned a little bit at the birth, and then we see him again. About 12 years of age, and then we don't see him again. So I understand why he's not there. But at the same time, it, it, it's intriguing to me. It may not be to you, okay, but it, he's an intriguing character to me. We don't know a lot about him, but without him and without his obedience, you know what, there might not be a Christmas, which means there would be no salvation for us. Joseph is really a key player in the life of Jesus Christ. Yet he stands in the shadows, and he's, he's an obscure figure. 
And the reality of it is, is he, he only did what God asked him to do, but he did everything that God asked him to do. He was totally obedient. Joseph, whether you realize this or not, was a direct descendant from King David. He, he, was, he was in the lineage of King David. His, his ancestral home was Bethlehem, the, 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 the city of the kings. And that's, that's why Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. They were required by the, the governor, actually by Caesar Augustus, to go to their ancestral home, to the, to the home where their clan lived. And they were required to register. And they were not registering just so he could know how many citizens were in his kingdom. They were registering so that they had to pay higher taxes. And so they were required to go. And so David takes Mary and, and they go to Bethlehem because that's, that's his ancestral home. He was a carpenter. Okay? He lived in Nazareth in the northern part of Israel. So it was a, it was a pretty good trip. And he was also engaged to a young woman named Mary. And I think maybe the most important thing that Scripture records about Joseph, and we'll, we'll read this in a minute, is, is one word. It, and, and this is how the Holy Spirit describes Joseph. He was a righteous man. We, we read through this story, we miss that. He was a righteous man. There are a few people in Scripture that that, that title is given to. But Joseph was a righteous man. We don't know any details of his childhood. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know what his dreams were. We don't know what his age were. Now, I've heard all these elaborate sermons preached on how he was an older man, and he may very well have been, okay? But it's an argument from silence, all right? There, there's no... We don't know how old he was. He may have been older, quite older than Mary. That was common for an older man to marry a younger woman. Uh, it, but it was also common for a young man to marry a young woman. So we just don't know. That argument is there because it seems like after the 12th birthday of Jesus, Joseph kind of disappears from the pages of Scripture. That does not mean he disappeared from this earth. But it, it may mean that. We just don't know. Okay? Scripture's silent on that. So we don't have a lot of details about him. But what we do know is that he was called on by God to fulfill a vital role. And he did so without hesitation. Without Joseph, we don't have the story we have. We don't have the events that took place. God needed one person well, he needed two people to be obedient. We know Mary was obedient. But as we study Joseph, we find out that he was obedient as well. Now, I want to read the, and we're going to begin in, in Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 18 and 19 first. But we'll read some more of these verses here in a few minutes. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was his follies. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. We'll talk about betrothed. Betrothed is more than an engagement. Okay. It's not like today. We, we slip an engagement ring on, on someone's finger. And, and we're, we're going to get married. And if we don't like each other. You know. Adios amigo. And that's the end of it. That wasn't the way it was in that day. So Joseph was betrothed to jo or Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. 
And Joseph, her husband, husband, listen to this, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. I want you to put yourself here for a few minutes in Joseph's place. As I mentioned, betrothal, that act of being betrothed, of being bound together, in the eyes of Judaism was a binding covenant. It was more than an engagement. It was a binding legal agreement. In essence, they were married when they were betrothed. Without the sexual relationship. Without being together. The, 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 the groom would come and, and the bride is, was usually chosen by the father of the, of the groom. And the bride would be chosen. The groom would come and he would pay the bride price which was the dowry. He would give the father of the bride a certain amount of money or a certain amount of, of goats and cattle or property or whatever the bride the asking price was. And it wasn't, listen, the father wasn't selling his daughter, okay? You have to understand that. He wasn't selling his daughter. It was a part of their customs. They were an agrarian people, an agricultural people. Every person in the family was necessary to make a living and to to continue life. And so every person was valuable. And that that young bride was about to leave that family to become another part of the family. And so there was there were were uh, there were there were uh, things that were done and and part of that was the the dowry. They would give a it was it was considered a gift. And so Joseph had had gone and he had given that uh, dowry to to Mary's father. And in the eyes of their religion and in the eyes of their culture they were married and then the bride what would happen is the groom would go away and he would begin work on a home and very often it was it was a home that was connected to the father's house and 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 he would build on a room or he build on a place and that's where the bride and the, the groom would go and when the bride the groom had completed that house he would go and so the bride had to be ready all the time because she never knew exactly when the groom was going to come. Do you see the, when Jesus talks about his return, he says, I'm going to my father's house and, uh, and when I, I'm going to prepare a place for you and when I come again to take to myself, we'll go there. It's the picture of a Jewish wedding is what it is. And it talks about the, the, the bridal celebration. When the groom would come, they would have this, this huge, they would have the service, or they would, they would basically, they would say their vows, a priest would pray over them, they would be married, they'd have a party. And sometimes the party would last a week or two. Jesus' first miracle was at such a wedding party in Canaan. And so the betrothal was a big deal. All that was left for the couple was to have the wedding ceremony, and then move to the bride's—I mean, move to the groom's house—and consummate the marriage. And now Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he's not the father. Okay, what would you have thought? What would you have felt? What would have gone through your mind? Be real here for a minute, okay? This, this, is a, this is a beautiful story, but this story has some really big bumps you have to get over, okay? If you're a human being, 
for us, we've read it a bazillion times. We've heard it every year. And we don't even think about these things. But for Joseph, I mean, it's major roadblock in the road for him. He's got, he's got to be devastated. He's got to be crushed. He's, he's got to be embarrassed. He's got to be heartbroken. But he's also got to be angry. Okay? Because the betrothal was a, a, a time of trust. It was a, you put your trust in that other person. You committed your life to them and everything that you had and everything that you were and your future and your dreams, everything. And, and he hears this news. And so he's dealing with a, with a wide range of emotions, yet his actions tell us a great deal about who this man was. I mentioned that he was a son of David. And because he was a descendant of David, you can bet he had been told and he had been trained in in the belief of Messiah. He had been taught the scriptures that, that told him that one day from his family would come the Messiah. Now, I know they were teaching that to all the other little boys and girls in Israel at this time. But I'll guarantee you in this family from which he was a part of, it was a major big deal. Okay? One of these days, there's going to be a king. And he's going to set us free. And he will be one of us. I mean, when they sat around the fire late at night and talked, they talked about this kind of thing. Maybe it's this year. Maybe this year. Maybe it'll be this will be when the Messiah is raised up. So David, uh, uh, Joseph understood what it meant and how important it was to be a descendant of David. And so when he gets this news, his bride-to-be is going to have a baby. Put yourself in that place. It ain't going to be my family. Because that's not my child. Okay? Just, just, just kind of think about that for a minute. He was, the Bible said, a righteous man. And we read that and we think, well, he was a good man. Well, he was a good man. But righteous means far more than that in the Jewish mindset, in the biblical mindset. Righteous means that he was an upright man who acted according to the law. In other words, he went by the, 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 the Torah. He went by Scripture. He lived his life according to Scripture. But because he was righteous, he knew he couldn't keep Mary as his wife. That was not right. That was not biblical. That was the wrong thing to do. But being an upright man and being a righteous man, he couldn't, he, so he couldn't make his mind up to retain her at the same time, because she was pregnant and because obviously he loved her, he couldn't bring himself to abandon her in public. Do you see? The law called for him to put her basically on trial publicly. But because he was a righteous man, he was torn between what he knew Scripture said to do and his heart. And I got to tell you, there are times... When you know what Scripture says to do, and your heart doesn't know how to do it, okay? 
And so here's where we have Joseph. So Joseph comes up with the idea that he'll resolve this issue. He, he'll, he'll take care of this in the middle. He, 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 she, she can't be his wife based on the law. But he doesn't want to embarrass her. And he doesn't want to see her die. And so he decides to dismiss her secretly. Now what does that mean? Okay, It means that he was going to write out a bill of divorce and give it to her secretly. He wasn't going to make a public spectacle. He was just going to write it out. She'd have the legal paper she needed. He wasn't going to say anything about it to anybody and just go. And nobody else would know what Mary had done. Joseph didn't want to expose Mary to public shame. Nor did he want her to be stoned. And that's what Deuteronomy chapter 22 Verse 23 and 24. I'm not going to read that today, but that's what it called for. Though he's hurt and he's embarrassed and he's angry, Joseph had a heart. Okay? And thankfully, he never had to make that decision. But the next decision he has to make is even bigger. Okay? Look at Matthew 1, verse 20 and 21. But when he had considered this, when he had thought about putting her away and how he's going to handle this and how he was going to balance what God's Word said and with the situation and, and with his apparent love for her, how am I going to balance this? Okay, I'll put her away secretly. I'll write her a, 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 a divorce decree and give it to her. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now we read that, and our blood starts pumping, and we're going like this. I want you to put yourself in Joseph's place. Just for a minute, an angel appears to him. Now, y'all do understand that that doesn't happen to everybody. Okay? I'm not going to ask you how many it has happened to in here, but it just is not a regular occurrence. Okay? In fact, it's a very rare occurrence. And obviously, one had never appeared to Joseph before. So put yourself in his place. If an angel appeared to you, how would you feel? An angel appears to him. But it's not just an angel. It's an angel with a story beyond belief. Okay, we read this, and we, we've been so ingrained in this story that we don't even think about this. But i got to tell you, if I didn't know Jesus, and this was the first time I read this story, this would be some really good stuff for science fiction. Okay, just, just put yourself in, a, in the real world, okay? The angel says, don't be afraid to take her for your wife. Because what has been conceived in her, the child that she's carrying, belongs to the Holy Spirit. Huh. Wow. I mean, his circuits have got to be short-circuiting. 
Okay, his mind's got to be blanking out. This is, this is beyond belief. This has never happened before, ever. Okay, never, ever. I mean, remember Mary, Mary says, the, the angel says, you're going you're gonna to have a child. Well, how can that be? And he says, and, and the angel says, well, you know what? The Holy Spirit, the power of the Almighty is going to overshadow you. The glory of God is going to come upon you. It's going to over. It's just going to. It's just going to cover you. And it's going to be a miraculous thing. Now Joseph hears this. Okay. While he's trying to figure out the right thing to do, according to what he knows he's supposed to do, this happens. This angel shows up, which is beyond belief. And then the, the message that this angel gives him is beyond explic, explic, explanation. How are you going to tell your mom and daddy? Y'all just put yourself in that place. You're getting married, and your bride's going to have a baby. Uh, mom, dad, uh, by the way. By the way, the Holy Spirit is the is the father of this child. Just put yourself. Now, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm listen. I'm not denigrating or 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 being uh, irreverent. I'm being realistic here because these were real people who heard this the first time. Because I want you to understand what kind of the character of the people who God entrusted His Son to. That's what I want you to understand. I mean. Here's Joseph, he hears this, and nothing like this has ever heard, been happened before. It's not heard of, and yet he listens. Why does he listen? Why does he listen? And not only that, he does something that most people would have never done in a million years. He obeys. Why? Because he knew his Bible. He knew the verse in Scripture that fit the situation that he was in. It was found in Isaiah. Matthew sums it up very beautifully here in, in verse 23 in chapter 1 when he, when he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, which means God with us. And so Joseph's sitting there. He's, his brain is short-circuiting, but all of a sudden his memory snaps one time and that verse from Isaiah comes back huh of course he's he's got an angel right there I don't know it may have been six feet tall it may have been 12 feet tall I don't know okay but all of a sudden he realizes something's going on something is going on and in verse 24 and 25 it, it tells us that Joseph obeyed God fully to, the very, to every letter of the command that the angel gave him. It says, And Joseph arose from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her, he took Mary as his wife, and he kept her as a virgin until the birth of, and she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph immediately, what he does is, is he immediately 
has a formal ratification of the betrothal. He immediately gets some witnesses. And they have a priest who gives a benediction. And then they have the marriage feast. And then he takes Mary from her father's house into his house. And then when the baby's born, Joseph completes what he's supposed to do. He names the child Jesus. Because it's this one that will save his people from their sins. So Joseph took Mary, he kept Mary, and and he called uh, Jesus by name in the exact manner that God had commanded him. In other words, what I'm trying to say is Joseph obeyed God fully without hesitation. But he doesn't just do this once. He does this again. Later, after Jesus' birth, we, we read the story. And, and this is why I say you, you, have, to, you have to really understand the, the, the story of Christmas. On that first night, there was Mary and Joseph and the baby and the shepherds and the angels. And that was about it. Okay? But we know that a star arose somewhere over the east. Yes, I gotta get my directions right. <laughs> over the east, and that star, the 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 magi, the 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 wise men, the 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 uh, astrology guys of the kingdom saw it, and they began to watch it. And, and, and they had no explanation for it. They'd studied the stars. They knew what was supposed to be and what sky and where. But here's a new star. And it's moving. And so they decide to follow that star. And obviously, in some way, they, they came to understand that it was leading them somewhere. And that it was leading them to a very important person. And this person, uh, they need to take gifts with them. And so what happens is these wise men, these magi, these astrologers, they show up in Bethlehem almost two years later. Okay? And the star stops over this, this city and over this home. And they worship the king. When they arrived in Jerusalem, it was a big deal. I mean, they, it was a caravan. And, 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 and these guys were dressed in the finest clothes. And, and, and we've, the story is taken on uh, that they were kings. I don't know if they were kings or not. The Bible just calls them magi. It calls them wise men. They were representative of, king, of kings. And they show up. And, and, and they want to know... Where is this king of the Jews? Obviously, they, they, they had studied scripture a little bit. And they understood, where is, this, where is this child supposed to be born? And so, the, the, they find out that it's Bethlehem. Well, Herod tells them, he says, hey, when you find out where he's at, come back and tell me so that I can worship him. Now, Herod had no desire to worship Jesus. Jesus was a threat to Herod. And so these wise men go, you know the story, they worship, they give their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And by the way, we don't know if there were three or if there were 333, okay? We just know they had three gifts that are mentioned. I know I'm killing your Christmas. I understand that. 
But this is what happens to, 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 to truth. It gets added on to. And, uh, and it's okay. If you got, I've, got a, I've got a manger scene at the house on the table. And I got the camels and the three wise men there. And I'm going to keep them there, okay? But anyway, they come and they worship. And God warns them not to go back the way they came. And so they, they leave. And if you know the story very closely, it enraged Herod when he found out that, that they didn't come back by. And so he decides, okay, based on what they told me, that star appeared about two years ago. I'll take care of that. I'll just kill all the male children in Jerusalem that are two years old and under. That's what he said. It had been prophesied in the Old Testament that the, that the, the mothers in Ramah and Bethlehem would cry out. I mean, it, it was an event already prophesied. And so later, at this time, as, as Herod gets ready to kill them, God sends another dream to Joseph. He sends another angel. And, and Joseph obeys without hesitation or question. In verse th- uh, chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 13 and 14, it says, Now when they, the magi, the, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And listen to what it says very simply. And he, Joseph, arose. And took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Joseph's response was immediate. There wasn't any hesitation. And it was complete. He did exactly what God said to do. And it's obvious as you read these passages and you read the the very few others that, that mention Joseph... It's obvious that he's a gentle man, that he's a loving man. But what stands out more than anything else is that he is completely obedient to God. There's no hesitation. There's no question. And i got to tell you, at that place where the angel shows up and says, Hey, Mary, don't be afraid to marry her because the child she's carrying is, is, has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. That would have been a good time to ask a question. Mary asked one. But Joseph doesn't ask a question. And when this, this uh, angel comes to him and says, I want you to get up, take the baby, take your wife, go to Egypt, and don't come back until I tell you. You know, there, there had to be questions. How are we going to support ourselves? I don't know anybody in Egypt. I don't speak Egyptian. They don't like us there. How are we going to eat? How am I going to get all these folks to Egypt? It's not, you know, we can't catch a bus. It's a little bit of a journey. But he doesn't ask those questions. He just does exactly what God told him to do. He got a word from God and he acted. He put all his own hopes and all his own dreams aside for the greater hope and the greater dream which was God's he submitted his honor he submitted his pride he submitted his standing in the community for God's glory and God's honor and and in reality when that first angel appeared and gave Joseph that message Joseph died to himself all the dreams he had 
See, Joseph's not unlike any other father that's ever had a, a child or it's ever, uh, any other guy that's ever got married. There's all kinds of dreams and hopes and, and aspirations. But in essence, he died. What Joseph wanted ceased to exist at that moment because Joseph chose to obey God no matter what it cost him. And you can read, as, as you read through Scripture, you will find that it's obvious in Nazareth, they made fun of this family. Uh, tradition says that, 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 that many of the people thought that Mary was pregnant by a Roman soldier. And so you, you can imagine the, 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 the garbage that this man put up with because he knew the truth. And he was willing to stand on the truth. You know what God, what, what I've learned is God uses men and women who are obedient. You don't have to have a lot of talent. You don't have to be the best. You just have to be obedient. And if you'll be obedient, God will use you. God changes the world through obedient people who will do what he says when he says to do it the way he says to do it. I mean, just look at the, the Old Testament. For most people, the Old Testament seems to be a, a list of rules and regulations to show God you love Him. But that's not what it is. And I, there's a passage of Scripture in, in 1 Samuel that I just, I love. And it have, it, this passage of Scripture shows up over and over and over from then on through the Scriptures. It's, King Saul shows up before Samuel. And he's got all these sheep and all this stuff he's not supposed to have because he wants to offer a sacrifice. He won't, he's brought the appropriate articles for God, but they've come from an inappropriate source. And here's Samuel's response. Has the Lord, in, in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 through 23, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Folks, listen to me. Please hear me this morning. God is not really concerned what you can do for Him. All right? He's not into if you'll just work a little harder or try a little more. He's into us listening, into us obeying His voice, hearing what He says, and doing what He tells us. He says, He goes goes on, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, in other words, to listen, is better than the fat of the rams. And the fat was, was God's part. Nobody got the fat. It was the best part of the sacrifice. It always went to God. And God says, hey, if you'll just obey me, it's better than the sacrifice. And to heed, to do what I say, is better than the fat of rams. For rebe- Listen to this. For rebellion is as, uh, is as the sin of divination, which means witchcraft. And insubordination, which means to disobey, is as iniquity and idolatry. 
What Samuel does is he equates in this verse the worst sins imaginable to a Jew. Witchcraft and iniquity and idolatry. And what God is saying is disobedience is nothing more than just rebellion and insubordination. Joseph obeys God. Jesus put it this way. He said this in John chapter 14 verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will do what I say. I remind myself of this verse over and over and over. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. That's just put in simple terms. You'll do what I tell you to do. Joseph loved God with all his heart. And he demonstrated it through his obedience. Joseph, to me, is a shining example of what God, I mean, what it means for us really to love God. Listen, loving God is not easy. All right? It's just not easy. Now, you may have been told it's really easy. It's not. It's tough. Because the path he sometimes chooses for us to walk is a tough path. Sometimes it's a path that's filled with ridicule and it's filled with jokes and it's filled with innuendos and dishonor. Joseph had to walk that path. He had to hear that stuff from his friends and from his neighbors. And likely, when they had family get-togethers, his family. How many of y'all got family? How many of you probably hear some same kind of stuff this Christmas? Okay. He heard that stuff. Joseph uprooted his life to protect the life of the Son of God. I mean, he, 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 he basically, when he went to Egypt, he didn't know if he would ever come back. I mean, here's the, here's the command. Come back when I tell you. Well, he's down there a week, two weeks, three weeks, six months. But the Bible says that he quietly raised Jesus as though Jesus was his, were his own son. Jesus was a carpenter. Where did he learn that from? Joseph. Jesus could quote scripture at the drop of a hat. I'm going to ask this question. It's, 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 don't answer too quickly, okay? Where did he learn that from? Well, he was God. I've heard that too. Yes, he was God. But you know what? He, he became a human being and he limited himself to the abilities and the ways that we learn, just like us. His father taught him the Torah. Okay? Just like he taught him how to, to cut wood, how to build tables and chairs, he taught him the Torah. Jesus saw what a walk of total obedience looked like every time he saw Joseph. He saw what it meant to sacrifice when he saw Joseph. And when it came for Jesus to go to the cross, he prayed what he had seen Joseph live out before him. Find this in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Joseph says this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Here's, here's the part Joseph learned to live, and he, he lived out day by day. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. 
See, Jesus had seen that fleshed out for him. Joseph also modeled the words that John the Baptist would speak 30 years later. He must increase and I must decrease. Well, it's obvious that he fulfilled those words. Because we just don't know a lot about Joseph. He must increase. And I must decrease. Every time he chose to obey God. Every time Joseph chose to obey God. Joseph decreased. And God increased. God was magnified. God's glory burst forth. Every time we choose to obey God. We willingly give God the place that he deserves. We, we, we willingly allow the glory of God to shine out. Folks, listen to me. Without obedience, you will never enjoy what you were created to enjoy. You will never have the intimate relationship that you long for with God. Unless you obey God, unless you obey Jesus, in essence, Jesus says you can't love You don't love him. And if, if you don't love him, then you don't belong to him. So obedience is a really big deal. It's a tough place to walk. It's easy to talk about, but it's a tough place to walk. And most people don't, they choose not to walk there. But for those who choose to walk that path, listen to me. True obedience is, not, is nothing more than trusting God with your life. Obedience is not something or some things that you do. Okay? It's not a list of things that you do. It's a faith-filled walk of trusting God with your heart. It's a genuine, genuine obedience is nothing more than the testimony that you truly love and belong to God. It's a demonstration of what real faith is. It's stepping out in faith and it's believing that God will do what he says he will do. And he will do it the way he says he will do it. Every time we exercise our faith, we obey. And every time we obey, we exercise our faith. See, Joseph could be over there in Hebrews 11. In fact, I believe he is in the list that's not named near the end. We major on the front end of the list. It's got all the names, but the, the back end of the list is just as important, maybe more so. Why am I telling you this this morning? Because too many people are worrying about what's going to happen and what will people say and how will this play. God's not real concerned about what's going on on Twitter, Facebook, or, or YouTube, honestly. Now, I know some of you don't do it and some of you do do it, okay? And I don't mean it that way. But what he is interested in is who will obey him you know he's not real obedience doesn't make the front page very often it won't be the lead story on the news and it won't go viral okay i'm just telling you that for the most part but it garners god's attention and when god finds a man or a woman that he can trust which equates to who will be obedient 
he will pour himself into and amazing things will happen around them. Like people's lives will be changed. Situations and circumstances will change. So stop worrying about what people say and just obey. Do what God tells you to do. I learned in counseling and in talking with people that most people who come to you, they know already what they should do. They just haven't chose to do it or they don't want to do it. Okay? The reality of it is most of us know what we're supposed to do in any given circumstance or situation. We know it because it's written in here. We don't have to get our Bible out for the most part and search to figure out what do I do. We already know because the Spirit of God lives in us. And He tells us what we should do. I've told this story a hundred times. I don't know if I've told it to you. I probably have. But I, I can remember being in, 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 in Kmart. And we were waiting in line. And, and this lady came by and she just she ran all over Kathy. Just, I don't even know if Kathy remembers this. But it just, man, it just rose up in me. And the Holy Spirit the whole time was going, hey, 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 hey. And I went, hey. And that wasn't what the Holy Spirit was talking about. And then the Holy Spirit says, you need to apologize to her. Yeah, but she just ran all over the person I love. She, I mean, she could have waited a minute. You need to apologize. You need to apologize. I apologized. Okay. I already knew what I should do before it came time to do it. And that's the way it is with most of us. It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we don't want to do what God wants us to do. I'm smiling. I mean, I, I live in the same place you do, okay? But what Joseph teaches us is that if we'll just obey, God will take care of everything. He was willing to put his life, his future, everything that he had in God's hands and just trust him. Didn't know where they were going tomorrow. Didn't know what they were going to be doing. Didn't know, didn't, wasn't worried about 30 years from now. God will take care of it. If I'll just be obedient today, God will take care of tomorrow. I used to work for a guy that says, if you'll take care of the pennies, uh, the dollars will take care of themselves. Listen, if you'll do what God says, he'll take care of the rest of the stuff. If you'll obey, God will pour out his glory. And you can watch those impossible circumstances, those impossible situations. Maybe those impossible relationships change. Whatever you face, you can watch God move with your obedience. Because when you obey, you put your faith in action. And scripture says very clearly that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we'll just trust him enough to obey, it pleases him. Folks, that's what Joseph did. Okay. I don't know what happened to Joseph. I don't know how long he lived. I don't know. Do you know what? Joseph has a place in heaven. 
And one day we can ask him all those questions. But the testimony of Joseph is, is that he was obedient. But after today, if somebody asked, what do you know about Joseph? He was obedient. He was obedient. That's it. That's all I know about Joseph. He was obedient. He did what God said, when God said it, the way God said it. And God blessed it. This morning, God's looking for some obedient men and women. He wants to change, I believe, this region. He doesn't need, a, he doesn't need thousands. He just needs one or two or three, 25 or 30, who will be obedient. Instead of asking why and when, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Whatever you say, God, is this the way you want me to do it? Yes, God. God will change your family if you'll just say yes, God. God will change your marriage if you'll just say yes, God. God will change your children if you'll just say yes, God. God will change the place you work in, the environment that you work in, the atmosphere that you work in if you'll just say yes. He's looking for one person in that place who will say yes. He'll do the rest. We just have to say yes. We have to hear him and then act. Joseph is a tremendous example of obedience. Sometimes obedience requires sacrifice. And sometimes obedience is, seems a lot harder than it really is. Sometimes we make these huge mountains out of just doing what God says. And when we, when we say yes to God, we realize, why did I wait so long to be obedient? This was so simple and so easy. Folks, God's not calling us to make all these sacrifices and do all this stuff. He's just calling us to say yes to the next thing that He tells us. Some of you are in places and you're wondering where God is. Why is God not moving? Why is God not working? Listen, it's because you haven't done the last thing God gave you to do. God will not give you something new until you complete the last thing He gave you to do. Okay? Maybe you need to say, hey God, I'm sorry. I blew it. I'll do it. Maybe you're at that place Okay, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? When we have Christmas dinner this time and, and Uncle Roy comes and Uncle Roy is just loud and ugly and I hope you don't have an Uncle Roy. <laughs> and I hope I'm not describing him. But, you know, he's loud and he's ugly and he's obnoxious and he does everything I don't want him to do around my children and the rest of my family. How do I respond to him? What do I say? How do I love him like you love me? Maybe you've got a i got to pick a name here. for. Let's just say a female aunt, okay? Let's leave it at that. And, she, and she's just mean and ugly. How do I respond, Lord? Maybe you got some nieces and nephews who are just little banshees, okay? Or, or you know, and I don't, they just, they just haven't got parents that, that train them in the way they should, should act, okay? How am I going to respond to them? If you'll do it. The way God says, 
There'll be a peace there, I promise you, okay? I promise you there'll be a peace there. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.